0: Alright, if you're up on Facebook, we gave you a couple of things that was going on here tonight. If you weren't, you didn't see it. But we're going to be over in Colossians chapter 1, picking up at verse 3. We got through 1 through 4 last time that we were together on this. We saw that Paul was glad for the people that were in his life. We looked at how we can take, make the people that are around us better. Sometimes we always want to have better people, better friends. Better this, better that. But Paul was able to be glad for all the folks that were in his life. And we can certainly look to upgrade it. Well, we're going to look at the prayer that he prayed for those people that were in his life. And if you can pray this prayer for yourself and for the people that are in your life, you can make both yourself and the people that are around you better. So let's go back to verse 3 again. We give thanks to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. Well, they're giving thanks for them, and of course, that's what we were mostly focusing on last time. There's a lot of times we're not giving thanks for the people that are in our lives. So we spent some time looking at some of the principles to help us give thanks for the people that are with us. And if we learn to give thanks for the people that are in our life, we will see that the people that are in our life are better than, they, than we thought that they were. But he said he's praying always for them. And we're going to see what what he is praying. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints. So the first thing he talks about is the thing that got his attention was their faith in Christ Jesus. If you do not have faith in Christ Jesus, you are not even in the game. You cannot pray this way for everyone. You can only pray this way for those that are in Christ Jesus. So we need those people that are in Christ Jesus, or have the faith to be in Christ Jesus. So first off, faith must come first, and without it, the rest will not come. You have nothing else, you don't have faith in Christ Jesus. So there are people, we all know that there are people out there that are unsaved. We cannot help them until they come to the place where they will believe that Jesus Christ is real, that God is real. If they want to continue to have the attitude that God is not real until He proves Himself to me, there has got to be a step of faith that all these folks make to to walk towards, to, to make that step towards God. And we talked about recently, I'm not sure, it was Sunday or last, last Wednesday, about that drawing that, that God does. Well, God does a drawing to everyone, not everyone is receiving it, but those folks that are receiving it. It's, just, it's like when you are out in the, in the mall, and you catch uh, eye contact with somebody who's a stranger, and how many of you know that there's some people you catch that eye contact with, and you realize, move on. Just move on. This is just, there's just nothing there. It's not going to be good. But other people you can catch eye contact with and you can see a friendly face. And you can go up and you can just say some things to them and, um, and just have some fun. Uh, but not everybody's like that. But you can kind of get that eye contact, get that feeling. Well, it's the same way with God. God has this drawing that's out there. But a lot of people look at that and they say, oh, get away from me, God. <laughs> and, and God will. But there's other people that are, that are drawn to that. There has to be that drawing uh, draw him first. But he says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints. Now your love for who? Love for all the saints. Somewhere we got this notion that we're supposed to love everybody. Anybody heard that before? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got a question on this. It was a phenomenal question. I really enjoyed the, the question. We're going to spend a little bit of time on it here. We are not called to Love everyone the same. God does not love everyone the same. If God does not love everyone the same, how can we? Now, the religious viewpoint is well, God loves everyone the same, God loves the world, and so God does love the world. But God does not love everyone the same. Just go back into the Word of God, just a very simple one Jacob I loved, Esau I. <laughs> All right, that doesn't bode too well, does it? <laughs> Yeah, what about some of the people uh, like Saul? Do you think that Saul had as much love from God as, say, David? No. Why is that? God has favorites. (laughs) What about uh, John? What was John's favorite name for himself? The the, The disciple that Jesus loved. Yep. And even amongst his 12 disciples, Jesus played favorites, didn't he? He had his interior three. He took them pretty much to everything. So it's, it's not all equal, but it could be. But well, we put ourselves in different positions. So I put in your outline here for you four groups of people. You could break these four groups down more than this. We're really just trying to keep it simple here. Here's the first group. These are spiritual Christians. These are Christians who are hungry for God and are growing. Now there's going to be different stages of them. There's going to be mature. There's going to be immature uh, but, but they're growing. They're not stagnant. They are growing. They're moving forward in their faith. They're learning more and more. They are spiritual Christians. There's a second group. That's the carnal Christians. These are the ones that are not growing. They're either falling behind or just kind of holding on still. Now, just take a look at those two groups. If you go over to the book of Revelation, Jesus says, I would you either be cold or Hot. If you're lukewarm, what does he say? Man, I'd rather just spit you out of my mouth. That does not sound like he loves them as much. He's not responding to them quite the same way. So you got the spiritual, you got the carnal. Beside that, we had the lost, and we have what I labeled here as pernicious. There's a, the Word of God uses the word pernicious, evil. There are some people that are just lost themselves. They're not saved. They're not taking anyone with them, but they're lost, and they are on their way to hell. But then there's people that are pernicious evil. They are not content to get to hell by themselves. They want to take as many people with them as they can. Jesus said to the Pharisees, "You make your followers twice as fit for hell as you are yourselves." They're not content just to go to hell themselves. They want to take as many people with them. So this is a just four different groups. <clears throat> the bottom ones. You're not, you're looking at a, God is against them. God is against those people that are in pernicious evil, just like he was with the Pharisees. He was against those people. You have the lost ones. God would love for them to come into the family, but they're not there. He cannot care for them the way he would one who's in the family because they are lost. There are the carnal Christians, and they've cut themselves off from a lot of things that God would do for them because of their carnal status, their carnal nature. Then there's the spiritual ones, and they're the ones that that God can do the the most for. Now, we are not called to love everyone the same. I'm going to uh, call your attention to a couple verses of Scripture here. In John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, this is after Jesus washed their feet and gave them some lessons there. He says, now he's talking to his, his group, his 12. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. Now, who's one another? Is that everyone in the, in the world? No, he's talking to this group that you love one another. Verse 35 really clears it up. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So what he's telling us this is that the world will know that we are his disciples when we love the brethren. Love the people in the body of Christ. When we have that love going from the body of Christ to the body of Christ, remember, the world will know. We're not not called to love the world the same way we are called to love those in the family. There's there's a love we have for them to try and help them to bring them out, but it can only go so far. But those that are in the family, you have a greater love for those. You're supposed to. He says in Romans 12, verse 10, Be devoted one to another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. So be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Not talking about the world. In uh, verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with the people of low position. Do not be conceited, but live in harmony with one another. That's talking to the folks in the church. And we all know sometimes it's tough for church people to live in harmony together. Ephesians 4 and verse 2, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bear with one another in love. Verse 32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God and Christ forgave you. Again, it's to one another. Colossians 1, 5, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before the word of truth, of the gospel. Go on to that, we're just going move on to the next one here. because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven of what you heard before in the word of truth and the gospel. So we got faith, we got hope, we got love. Ever heard those uh, phrases before? These three are the, are the greatest faith, hope and love. Well, that's what he's talking about here. This is what has attracted him about it. First off, their faith, their love for one another and, and the hope. So he talks about hope because of the, of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. It's not here in the earth. It's up in heaven. It's in a very safe place. If, we, uh, if you ever watch some of the movies that come on TV or some of the ones they've made for the, for the big screen, the theaters and, and such, you can kind of get the idea that there is no safe. There is no building. There is nothing that cannot be cracked, gotten into, broken into, or somehow robbed. Now, just about everything has been hit. <laughs> no matter how, in, no, how perfect it is, you know, we can devise a scheme to break that thing open and to um, take out the contents of it. But see, this is in heaven. Now, understand that heaven does not have to be in a place that is so far away that we can't get there. Heaven does not have to be far away at all. What we know from the Word of God is that heaven is north. That's what we know. It's, it's, it's north. But heaven could simply be in a different dimension. Science is you know, trying to discover different dimensions and the possibility that other dimensions exist. And Well, it's very easy for, for God to do that and that uh, for angels they go from heaven to here, they just leave one dimension and go to another. Those kind of things are certainly possible. Whatever it is, heaven is in a place that no one on this earth can get to and nor can the devil. The devil's been kicked out. So whatever God has for you, whatever hope he has for you in heaven is secure. No one can steal it. No one can take it. So that's why your hope is sure, because no one can get to it. So your hope, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, in which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. So we're in a safe place. Now you cannot pray for people who do not have these things the same way you do. You, you, you can't make the, this, this prayer that Paul's going to go over. You cannot pray this for people who do not have faith, hope, and love. They've got to have those things. If they don't have faith, hope, and love, it's not going to work. So first off, we as Christians have to identify that first off, they have faith in God. Secondly, they have the hope that is in heaven, of the, of, uh, of the things that God has promised us in heaven. They have that hope, and they have the love for, for the saints. So when Paul heard about these things, about these, these folks, he embarked on some prayers, a prayer for them. Verse 6. Which has come to you as it is also in the world, and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of truth. Let's go back to verse 5. Read it all together. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it is also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit. So the word of the, uh, the truth of the gospel has come to you and because it has come and it has made its home inside you, it's bringing forth fruit. There is fruit that will come from that. And this fruit, he says, and is bringing forth fruit and is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. How many of all want to bear fruit? And we're going to learn some things about bearing fruit that might be different from what we think. And Paul gives us some light on that area of bearing fruit. Verse 7, As you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Verse 9. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So for this reason, because we have all these things, they've already located in you. For this reason, this is what we're doing. Since the day we heard of it, the day we heard of it, so as soon as Paul hears that these things are going on, he begins to pray. Do not cease to pray. It doesn't mean he's praying all day long. It means on a continual basis he is praying this. This is not a prayer that you pray one time and you're done. This is not a prayer for a thing. This is a prayer for growth. And you can continue to pray this. If you prayed it in the morning, you can pray it in the afternoon. If you prayed it in the morning, you can pray it the next morning. you can pray it the next morning after that. You can pray it as often as you want to. It does not challenge your faith if you pray this prayer again for yourself or for someone else because Paul did it. For this reason, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So the first thing on his list, the very first thing is that you would be filled with the knowledge of His will. That's the first thing he prays. How many of you, if you were to pray for of all the things in the scriptures if you were to pray for something might come up with something different than this but this is Paul's first thing that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will now we talked about joy being filled with joy this is a continual thing our capacity for knowing the 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 knowledge for knowing his will having a knowledge of his will our capacity is going to continue to increase As it increases, we should remain full. Which means you have to stay under the source and keep having more being poured in. To ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So it is the knowledge of His will, knowing what He wants done and how to do it. To have the knowledge of His will is to know what does God want to do here in this earth What does God want to do through me? What is my role in the plan of God? What am I supposed to do? How does God want me to do it? How does God want me to operate? These are the things that you ought to know. And God will show it to you. God will put it into your your capacity of understanding. He will grow you up in that. He wants you to know or have the knowledge of His will. The knowledge of His will. What does God want done on the earth now? What is supposed to go on next? Not just, well, what is my next step in life? But what is the overall purpose of God for this particular time? Have the understanding of His will. That's the first thing He prays. That you be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Not just that you would have it, but that you would have wisdom accompany with it. Wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. I understand what the the knowledge of the will of God is, but I also understand how to apply it. I understand how that applies in this life. I understand how that applies in my calling. I understand how it applies in what I'm supposed to do. So I have that ability to, to know how I am supposed to move. What am I supposed to do? When we have this, it's a whole lot easier for us to sit on the sidelines while someone else steps out in their gift and not interfere with that gift because I have the knowledge of His will. I understand what God wants to do. I am not supposed to be participating in that. Someone else is. And if I participate in that, I'm holding them back. And so I hold myself back and say, Father God, what, what do we need to do here? And, uh, and allow God to move into people. Now, sometimes... The people that are supposed to be doing it, don't do it. And he may go to his second choice, his third choice, and his fourth choice. And he may go on down a list in there. And uh, I remember something that Brother Keith Moore shared one time, in one of his messages really enjoyed this about it. Uh, He had a, there was was a particular person, and they had a need. And Brother Keith's first response usually is when someone has a need, well, maybe I'm the person to step in there to take care of that need. So he's ready to step in there to take care of that need, and God says, no, don't do it. He said, really? He says, no, I have somebody else supposed to be taking care of that. So he says, okay. So he stepped back and he didn't do it. And I don't know if it was a week, two weeks, it was some time later, and God uh, hit him with it. He says, I'll tell you what, go out there and do that. He says, I I thought you had somebody else to do it. I said, I did. And they uh, they didn't step up. He says, but I know you will. (laughs) So uh, go ahead and do that. He said, I was God's go-to guy. (laughs) He said, I wasn't his first choice. Somebody else was the first choice. Somebody else was supposed to get the blessing, but they balked. He said there may have been a second choice too. Whatever it was, he got to me, and when he got to me, I didn't let it go past me. He said I went out there and, they, and went ahead and did it. So um, he understood that, that there was a will of God, and he had that wisdom to know, no, don't, don't, don't step out in this. But when God, uh, when the when the guy, woman, man, whoever it was was supposed to step in there, didn't do it, he was willing to to jump in there and to take. Take hold of it. So the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Not only do I know their correct application, I have the ability to understand what's going on. If you can understand something, like think back to your algebra days in in school. When we were first looking at algebra, we didn't understand it. We just realized, okay, the way I solve this is do this, 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 and this. But if you change the equation too much, what I what I know doesn't apply anymore and I can't quite figure out how else to, to do it. But if you have the understanding of how all that works, then you can you can put it together in a different way. I don't know if anybody ever watched this show it was on a number of years a lot a lot of years ago, but there was a show that probably didn't appeal to a whole lot of people called Numbers. Yeah, that's about mathematicians and how mathematicians help the FBI solve things and stuff like that. It's kind of a neat concept of a show. But these guys would talk back and forth about math equations. And they had such an... They talked. I don't know if they had the understanding, but they talked about it like they had the understanding. And just so matter-of-factly, and they would just share concepts, and those concepts would be chalkboards full of things, but they understood it right away. you just, well, what about this? Oh, yeah, I can see that little bit of that theorem going in there, but it's also got a little bit of this working in it, and if you just add a little bit of this, I think we can get there. <laughs> I <was> like, why? <laughs> I had no idea what they were talking about with any of that, but I enjoyed just listening to them and seeing how they would, would get it. And of course, then the main guy, he would come in there, and he would you know, bring in some kind of example to make it all fit into our frame of mind who didn't understand mathematicians and the things the way they, took, they, they talked. But that's the kind of understanding you can have. You can understand the will of God to the degree... That as soon as God begins to speak, instantly you have the understanding of it. Ah, I see exactly where you're going with this. I have the spiritual understanding. I have the wisdom to know how to properly apply it. And I am continuing to grow in the knowledge of God. The knowledge of His will. So that's the first thing. He wants us to grow in the knowledge of His will. What God wants done on this earth. How to carry it out. And how it all works together. That's the first thing. Then he goes on in verse 10. That you may walk that you may walk worthy of the Lord, did you know that your walk can be worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, that you... That you that, let's read the whole thing together because you've got to see the whole concept. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. What is the conditional thing? Because it says that you may have a walk that is worthy. That means it's conditional, right? What's it conditional on? Having the knowledge of His will. That we have to have the knowledge of His will with the wisdom and the spiritual understanding. If I have the knowledge of the will of God with the wisdom and the spiritual understanding that He's praying for here as well, I can have a walk that pleases Him. I can have a walk that is worthy of the Lord. But it's not based on my fruit. It's based on my knowledge of His will. So, that we be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. So I can fully please God. Many times Christians the the enemy constantly likes to come in and hit you with things. You could have given more. That offering you gave, good offering, but you could have done more. How much time did you read the Bible this week? You you know you could have been reading more. How much time did you pray? You know you could have been praying more. Ever Ever felt that way? Ever felt like that what you gave God wasn't enough, that you should have done more? That there was more for you to do? And if you just did a little bit more, God would have been pleased? And the devil puts a lot of us Christians in condemnation because we're constantly thinking, no, I should have, should have read more. I need to read more. I, I, I need to pray more. I heard someone say, this. put it to me this way, uh, that it, he, said, he said, am I, uh, God said to him, am I unreasonable? Is God unreasonable? No. If God's not unreasonable, then can't, is there, a, is there a, a certain amount of reading that I want you to do? Is there an uh, amount of study, is there an amount of prayer that would satisfy me if he's not unreasonable? Well, if he's reasonable, then certainly there should be a, a certain amount of re- Once we hit it, we should be done. But you see, the enemy likes to come in and get us under condemnation. No, you should be reading more. You should be praying more. And, you know, what, what's sufficient? What is it that is sufficient? Well, have the knowledge of his, of his will. Have it with the wisdom and understanding. If we get that, when I'm reading the Word of God, I can kind of feel like, you know what? I've got, I've got enough for right now. Same way that when you sit down for a meal, how many of all know when you're full? We well, I'm full. I mean, I may keep eating, but I know I'm full. <laughs> yes. I don't know what it is about me. When I go on vacation, I can eat a lot. When it's a holiday, I eat very little. Just about every holiday, I, I usually skip breakfast, I get a little bit, when everybody's doing the big meal, like Thanksgiving, I'll do a big meal, i do like one plate. And I usually skip dinner. I don't know why it is that way. I just, whenever I have a holiday, I eat very little. It just, I, I eat when I'm, when I go on vacation, look out. Look out, because I can, I'll, I'll eat everybody here. I can eat a lot. And, um, but you know when you're full. And when you have that, well, you know, I don't need to eat anymore, I'm kind of done, and you stop. Well, there, there ought to be a limit because if all you did was spend time reading the Word, you wouldn't get anything done. If all you did was spend time praying, you wouldn't get anything done. If every bit of money you brought in, you gave to God, then you had to keep working even more, otherwise you wouldn't have a place to live. You wouldn't have a car to get anywhere to do anything. So there, there has to be limits to it, right? There has to be something. And the limit is, do what God says. If God says to you, give two mites, you can give two mites. If God says to you, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me, then sell all you have, give it to the poor, and come follow him. You've got to listen to the will of God. But there's a, there's a will of God, and just listen to it. When you're reading in the morning, when you're reading whatever time it is that you read, and you're sitting down and you're reading, and you can just say, you know, I read enough. And you, you prayed, I, I, I prayed enough. You we see we, that religious spirit on the inside of us is not like that. You think, I didn't pray enough. Surely I could be praying more. There's got to be something more I can pray. Now the devil knows that if he can get you to pray long enough, eventually you're going to pray in unbelief. Eventually you're going to pray for stuff you shouldn't be praying for. You're going to move off into those areas. Just pray for the things that God chose you. Now notice what Paul said here in the beginning when he saw their faith, when he saw their love, when he saw their hope. When he saw those three things, he engaged in his prayer. There's a lot of times, folks, we are praying for people like Paul prayed for the Colossians, but we have not qualified with them, qualified them for their faith, for their love, for their hope. And so we're out there, we're praying, and God's saying, "I can't do anything with that. They don't have the faith yet. I can't do anything with that. They haven't got that hope. I can't do anything here. They've got no love for the brethren." See if we understand. The will of God, I understand that God can't do this. That's not what God can do. I know, what the, I know, I have the knowledge of the will of God. I'm going to operate within that. And stay within it. Jesus I had, knew the will of God and it operated within it. Some people got upset with him because he operated within it. Some people got upset because he healed on the Sabbath. Some people got upset because, why weren't you here sooner? But he had the knowledge of the will of God. And he functioned according to that, not according to what people kept telling him to do. When you get that, you'll be able to walk through life like Jesus did. And you can get it. If Jesus had it, you can have it. So that's the first thing. That's why he prayed for that, the first thing. The knowledge of the will. The knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may have a walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Your walk can be fully pleasing Him. Not sitting there saying, well, you could have done this. Did God tell me to do that? Well, no, He didn't. And then God is pleased with me. Yes, He is. <laughs> the rest of that. But you see, if you don't know that, if you don't have the knowledge of His will, if you get the knowledge of something else, the devil can have a field day with you. He can send you all kinds of places, doing all kinds of things, and then telling you you didn't do enough. And you're not happy in life. And you don't feel like you're pleasing God at all. You probably aren't because you're not functioning according to the will of God. You're functioning according to another will. But if we have the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, we can have a walk that is worthy of the Lord. Get that. You are not unworthy. Worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing Him. Now look at this next one. Being fruitful in every good work. God is not pleased because of your fruit. Did you know that? Our fruit that we produce does not produce a pleased, a pleased God. What produces a pleased God is that we know His will, have the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, and we function our walk, we order our behavior, Within the sphere of the knowledge of His will. That's what pleases Him. If we do that, we will produce fruit. Now, notice the fruit is based on us knowing His will with wisdom and spiritual understanding, not people responding to us. Thank God for that. Because we're trained in a religious mentality, that people's response to us is the fruit. Aren't we taught that? Don't we think that way? Well, if you know more people got healed, if more people got saved, if more people got set free, then that's fruit. But that's not what the, Paul is praying here. Let's read the whole thing again. That you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Being fruitful in every good work. No mention in there of people's response to you. Because people's response is not the fruit. Us doing the will of God is the fruit. How people respond is up to them. How many people did Jesus have as followers when he died? Not that many, did he? They fell off. They fell away. So if we measure fruit by people, Jesus didn't have a whole lot. But you don't measure fruit by people. You measure fruit by doing what God says to do, how God says to do it. That's why Jonah can have fruit and he had a whole lot of people who responded. And so the same way that Jeremiah can have fruit even though people didn't respond to him. But Jeremiah understood the will of God, functioned in it, and whether people responded or not, he had fruit. Daniel was a man that in some points of his life many people responded. Other parts of his life, few people even knew about him. But he still had fruit because he still operated within the will of God. He still kept walking in, in that direction. He still kept doing what God said to do, the way God said to do it. He still understood the plan of God, functioned his behavior that way. Don't, at all, don't be distracted by how people respond to you because if you are distracted by that, then you begin to do what people want so that you get the people, thereby what you think is fruit. But you've left the will of God. Can you see that? Some people who have many followers, many people who follow after the things that are doing for God, but they're not doing what God said to do. They're not holding on to Scripture. They're not teaching what the Word of God says. They're teaching what society says is acceptable and what people want to hear. That's not fruit. We we don't measure our fruit by people, we measure our fruit by the will of God. So that's why he puts it in here this way. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work. Because there are some works that are not good. But God wants you to have good works and those good works will be fruitful because you're operating within the sphere of his will and increasing in the knowledge of God. There is a difference between the knowledge of God and the knowledge of God's will. There is a difference between the knowledge of God and the knowledge of God's will. The knowledge of God's will is what God once done on the earth. The knowledge of God is all the things that God knows, all the things that God has done, all the things that God would teach us, That's at the end here. That we be increasing in the knowledge of God. It's good to be increasing in the knowledge of God. It's better to have an understanding of His will. So the knowledge of God should actually feed us in the area of the knowledge of His will, but it may not always do that. There are some people who have a great knowledge of the things of God or of God, but no knowledge of His will, what He wants to do. Make sure we don't don't get that mixed up. But he put this into prayer, increasing in the knowledge of God. And let's go on to verse 11. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. Strengthened with all might. You can pray to be strengthened. We can continually be be stronger than what we are. He wants us to be strengthened with all might. The more, the stronger we get in the things of God, the bigger part, or the, the part we can play in the will of God that is, for, that is something more difficult. If you have a, put it to you this way, if you just, say you had a warehouse, and in that warehouse you had to move a lot of things around. And some people can only pick up 10, 20 pounds. And some people can pick up 30 and 40 pounds. And some people know how to drive big forklifts that can lift huge, huge things. And uh, I was over, uh, I think it was over at Lowe's, and I was talking with somebody, and he was a military guy, and he says, you know, I used to drive these forklifts, he said, the forklift itself was bigger than this whole aisle. And he told me the weight capacity of that forklift. And I mean, it just, the forklifts we have, then, it's <laughs> nothing. These things could pick up some some serious weight, and he said, "I used to drive those things." <laughs> he said, "These things must be nothing for you." He says, "Yeah, they're, they're, it's like you know Volkswagen. It's it's nothing, but you know, not everybody has the skill to to drive that type. I can't even imagine that kind of a forklift. One person driving that big forklift, picking up those kind of things, making sure you don't tip over. I, uh, that is just something else. But you see." In that, you've got lots of people. So you've got to not take the people that can drive the big forklifts and have them move the 10 and 20 pound packages. Right? That's that's a waste. No, no, no. We need them over here driving this because not everybody can do that. I need this other one who can drive the other forklifts and I need these other ones who can do the 30 and 40 pounds and I need these other ones can do 20, 10 and 20. So I've got to know all the capacities of the people that are in there and make sure they're functioning. Because if I take that 10 and 20 pound person and put them in the 30 or 40 pound area, I'm going to wear them out. And they won't be able to function very long in, in that. And if I take that person and put them on the big forklift, they're going to be scared and quit. So you have to have that understanding. So as I grow in, in my strength, what I can do for God, God could say, "All right, I could only use you over here, but now you 've grown you 've grown in the strength through my might you 've understood how to let my might come into you and strengthen you, therefore, I can use you now over here, and then we get over here we work in an area where it takes more strength, and uh, we do pretty good in that, and we get stronger and stronger, we learn how to rely more on His might because you know his might doesn 't just operate fully in us it, we had to uh, kind of grow into it. It's, it's kind of like, a, if you ever watched some of the, the comic strips and things, you know, when Superman first became Superman and realized that, you know, he had all this super strength and he had to learn how to do it so he wouldn't hurt people. He wouldn't crush things. You know, he wouldn't just open up a car door and take the whole thing off. <laughs> he had to learn how to, how, to, how to be delicate with that. And we got to learn how to do that as well. We got to learn how to handle the strength of God through us. And so we do that first off in the 10, 20-pound area, then the 30, 40-pound area, then moving to bigger forklifts, and then moving up into the bigger things to where we can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But you see, that's not every stage of our life. Because I still think I'm looking to my might. But no, he says, be strengthened in his might. In his might. Now, we can just look at that and say, well, I can do anything through God, and so therefore I'm just going to take on what... No, you can't just do that either. You've got to learn how to let that strength work through you. And the more you learn, then the more God can use you in other areas. And you can say, God, I understand your will. I have the knowledge of your will. I have that wisdom. I have that spiritual understanding. I know I can now function. I can also say, God, I'm I'm going to be ready to function in that area, but I am not ready just yet to get me, me ready. And I have the wisdom to say, I know somebody else is going to come along and they're, they're going to have the might and they're going to have the strength that's necessary. I haven't quite got to that level where you're moving through me like that. And I have the wisdom to, to step back and say, uh, not yet. Now, God may say, yes, you do, and may tell me to get going. <laughs> I have to listen to him on those kind of things. But be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. It's his power working through us. For all patience... Now the word there for patience is not just the ability to bear things but to deal triumphantly with anything that life can do to us. We don't just bear up under the thing but when it comes upon us we turn it around and become triumphant in the thing. Triumphant in it. That's what that patience is talking about. Then he says long-suffering. The word there for long-suffering is patience with people not driven to bitterness, despair or irritation by them. (laughs) Because <laughs> I mean, I know if you can get irritated. <laughs> but here's the—I put the actual Greek words in there for you, so if you want to look them up. But long suffering is patience with people, not driven to bitterness, despair, or irritation by them. How many have people in your life that can drive you to irritation? Yeah, I have had some people in my life that can drive me to irritation. And you know, one of our prayers is, "I want them out of my life." <laughs> but you know, I have to learn how to—I had to learn how to not just—not just. Not just Bear... How you doing today? <laughs> not that. No, no, no. What we've got to learn to do is to have patience with people but not driven to bitterness because people can drive us to be bitter. And it is our responsibility to make sure we do not become that way because of people. This is what you need to, to have going on. So here's what he's saying. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power for all patience. The strength that we get from him puts us in a place where we have the ability to bear things but not but, but to deal, not just bear things but to deal triumphantly in them with anything in life can throw at us. That's his strength and that I have a long suffering, a patience with people not driven, to bitterness, despair, or irritation by them. And that's where we've got to get. How we get there is not a, I just got to grin and bear it. I just got to get through this. I got to do some things with it. I, I, know, I, can do, I know I can put up with these people. These people are stupid. We have a lot of people out there. We were just having that conversation there beforehand. There are three groups of people out there. I learned a long time ago that there are people who... Um, uh, the common public. The people you see at Walmart. All right? These are the people that are not responsible for anything at all. And in fact, the things that they are responsible for, the little things, they, they deal terribly with. <laughs> terribly with it. Uh, but they have, they have a job. They do not have a business. They have a job. And they don't take that job seriously. They just show up. These people are the hardest people to deal with. If you work at Walmart and, and sit there at the checkout line, you will have people who will come through who asked you to do some of the most incredible things that would make your jaw drop and you, 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 just, you really can't expect people to do this. For, really? You expect? And they, they will come up. They will, they will have that. So that's one group of people. Then you have um, now the top end. Glory to God, I got a job. I got to work with these people. When I delivered for Keltzner's horse riders, I dealt with business people. Those business people had to deal with the Walmart people. I didn't have to deal with the Walmart people. I dealt with the business people. It was so wonderful because their whole mentality of things is just completely different. Just the way they think, the way that they do things. It's, uh, it's, oh, it's so much nicer to work with them because they understand you have a business, you have a job, and you have time. And your time is important. And they want to get you in and out. And I understand their time is important. I want to get done with them and get them on with their business. And we both understood that about each other and it worked great. Oh, It was wonderful. And then you have the people that are in the middle. And uh, Corey was like me about some of those people that are in the middle. <laughs> and um, all they're right, not quite Walmart people. They're not quite uh, uh, the business people that are uh, letting you do your thing while they do theirs. It's not quite there. But glory to God, you can even have patience with these people. You even have patience with these people. You see, if you know what the will of God is, you know what you're supposed to do. You know what you have the uh, what you have to to do to, to to be accomplished, because what happens is, you know, when I was at Ken's Pizza, I dealt with some of the Walmart type people. These are the people that are coming on in; they don't they're, they're responsible for nothing, and they expect you to do everything for them. And you had to learn where to draw the line. You had to learn where to say, you know what, that's not for me to do. And you had to be able to to say that. Now, in that kind of business, you know, you're pretty much doing everything for these folks that come on in the door. But there are some some restrictions, some things you have to do. But God will, with His might, develop in you a long-suffering that has patience with people. Because that's really our number one problem. Number one problem in life is people. People let us down. People aren't there for us. People do things against us. People say things against us. People complicate our lives. People don't come through when things are supposed to come through. People. We're not driven to bitterness, despair, or irritation by them. This is something that the strength of God will come into your life, and through His ability, you will be able to do. Now, this does not mean, does not mean that you do not ever lose patience with anyone. Does God lose patience with people? Oh yeah, just read the Old Testament. What did He say to Moses? Stand back, I'm going to wipe these people out. Just stand back. Just get back. I'm gonna, right now, I'm going to take them all out. And that will build of you a mighty nation. Another time he comes to Moses and says, Moses, I can't deal with these people. cannot deal with these people. i uh, tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm not going to go with you anymore. Because I'll wipe them out. I know it. I'll wipe them out. Have you ever said that about people in your life? I know I'll just wipe them out. And God said it too. And this is his might that's working in you to help you out with these people. He says, I'll wipe them out. I'm not going to go with you. Um, I'm going to send an angel. Because the angel will do what I say. And as long as I'm not close to these people, I can I cannot give the command to wipe them out. But if I stay this close to the people, I'm going to give the command and we're going to wipe these people out. And, and Moses says, um, no, we're not going to, I'm not acceptable of that. Uh, you need to go with these people. And, and they, and they worked that out. But you know, God has done that. Now there are some people that God kind of lost patience with. That when, um, when the people came and they burned strange fire because they said, We're just as good as Aaron, we can make the sacrifice. And so they went out there with their censers and they made strange fire. And God says, Stand back. I'm done with this crew. Why? <laughs> now, see, it, there are, there are, the patience of God is not to put up with everyone's junk that you don't need to put up with. Does Jesus put up with everything that everybody, everybody throws at him? No. no. They came and they threw at him someone they caught in adultery. What's he say? Uh, I guess you got me, guys. No, what's he say? <laughs> he deals with them. Whoever's got the, no sin, you throw the first stone. And he starts writing stuff in the sand. You know, We know the story. What's he do when he tries to, they try to test them about healing on the Sabbath? Well, guys, let me ask you a question. Is it, good to, is it a good thing to do evil or to do good on the Sabbath? And they couldn't answer that question. It's just how you phrase the question. He says, you guys, get out of here. Now see, that's how you can deal with it. Just don't get this the, the satanic idea, that's what it is, that you have to put up with whatever people want to give you. Because that's just not how God operates. It's not how Jesus operated. If they didn't operate that way, then his strength is not going to help you to operate that way, is it? But you've got to understand, have the knowledge of His will. And um, you know what? I'm not helping these people out if I, if I keep doing this for them. They need to stand up on their own two feet. I need, to, I need to not do it. I need to not... There are sometimes folks, that you will have to aggravate people. I learned this early on when I was a youth leader. I learned this early on. I remember the, the very person who taught me the lesson. It's a young lady in the youth group. And, uh, you know, she was a, one of those little drama queens that would come on out. And she had some issues. And, um, you know, one of the ways you help people get over issues is you put them involved in the ministry. You get them focused on ministry, get them focused on stuff outside themselves. So I had this ministry. I was telling this person, you know, I think you could be, be good for this ministry. Um, I'd like to put you in charge of it. And they hemmed and hawed about it. And, and finally, just wouldn't make a decision. So I made a decision for them. I needed somebody to operate in this ministry. So I gave it to somebody else put them in charge of it. And so we were all sitting, as a youth group, we were all sitting there after church and we were all kind of sitting together and th- this ministry came up and it came up that this other person was serving in it. Well, this person had the audacity in front of me and in front of all these people. Yeah, well, Steve tried to get me to do that. But um, uh, I forget how she, she put it. Something about, you know, that she just she didn't, uh, didn't didn't step forward or thing. Gave, gave it to so-and-so instead. I said, yep, and at least she tried it. I made her mad. However I phrased it, and I phrased it in a way to make her mad. I did not phrase it in a way to spare her feelings. I phrased it in such a way that I knew it would make her mad. And I heard this uh, weeks later. She got so mad, she, and I know she left. She left the, left the building. I didn't follow her. Left the building. Went outside. She said she went outside and she told somebody. She just screamed at the top of her lungs she was so mad. And uh, now later on, we also had another incident with this one, the same person, and they were doing some kind of a show in the youth group and trying to get people to give attention. And I'm always the last one to leave church. And this person decided to hang out in the parking lot, over by the uh, pond. The church had a pond on the on the grounds, and there was a light on the pond, and she just was just enough in the light so you could see that somebody was out there. And I could see that somebody's out there. My car was right out there in the front, so I walked out to the car, opened the car up. Got inside the car. Before I got inside the car, I said, Bye. Got in my car and drove off. <laughs> but you see, I aggravated them enough that either you're going to leave or you're going to change. Fortunately for them, they decided to make a change. And they, they changed and they turned something. Now, some, some stories and people leave. Sometimes the only way you can get people to change is to get them mad. But make sure you do it within knowing what the will of God is. Don't, don't get them mad because of your flesh. That will not yield any fruit. But if you follow the plan of God. See, Jesus got the Pharisees mad, didn't he? They were fire mad. And they would either get mad and change or get mad and get worse. And they decided to get mad and get worse. But they had an opportunity. He didn't just let them go on. Don't think you've got to take anything that people throw your way. You don't. Don't let people be rude and obnoxious. It's not helping them out. It's not helping you out. he tops this one off here. He says, "For With all patience and long-suffering with joy. If you operate in this type of patience and long-suffering, you will have joy. If you do not have this type of patience and long-suffering, joy will go. You will not have joy in your life. People will manipulate you, people will steal it from you. People are out there, they will they will have these things going on. But strengthen with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. Make sure you have and understand our word patient and long suffering is is um is not sufficient to fully translate. I gave you the, the long trans. I think I wrote it in your in your outline, didn't I? I don't think it was just in mine. Because I wanted you to see what this word really means. And the actual Greek word is there. You can look it up. It's in English. You can be able to use most of the helps out there. that You can look it up. But patience and long-suffering do not convey all that these words are doing. Because you can see in the word long-suffering, we use the word patience to, to, to define it. More than we do the word patience that is there. But get the understanding of it. If you get these two things, the strength of God to work these two things in your life, that joy will be there. People will not be able to take it. So this prayer will accomplish all these things in your life. You can pray this prayer for yourself. You can do it every day. You can wake up in the morning, go to bed at night, whatever time you want, and pray this prayer and just put your name in there. Put your name in the, in the prayer and pray it for yourself. You can pray it for people that are close to you. That you know, first off, meet the requirements. What's the requirements? faith, hope, and love. That's the qualifiers. They had the faith, hope, and love they're supposed to have. You can pray this prayer for them. You can see them get better. If the people that are in your life get better and line up more with this prayer, wouldn't they be better people in your life? You can have the same people in your life and have them be better by you praying for them and praying this prayer. And you can pray it for yourself. Uh, people used to ask, Brother Hagan, how long should I pray this? Till you're satisfied is what he would always tell us. Can you be satisfied? Absolutely you can. Just like you can be full at dinner. You can be satisfied. You can get to a spot in your life and say, Father God, I've got all the... I'm I, I trying to assimilate all that you have put in my life. Well, then stop praying it for a little while. Until you get all that assimilated and feel like I've got hand handle this now. And then um, go back to praying it. Pray it some more. And then you grow some more. And then if you get saturated, well, it's just... So much coming in. I just uh, Well, then stop praying for yourself for a little while. And then uh, later on, start praying for it again. Pray until you're satisfied. And then when you start to get to a place in your life where you're not satisfied, start praying for it again. But you can keep praying it. You can pray it every day. You can pray it a couple times a day. Doesn't matter. But you can keep going. This is what Paul was praying for the Colossian saints. And it made those people to such a, a place that Paul gave thanks for them that they were in his life on a continual basis. And you can give thanks to the people that are in your life. Pray for them. Make them better. Father, we thank you for prayers that are in your word that make us better. And we can pray a prayer like this that we can grow in the knowledge of your will with all wisdom and spiritual understanding that we can have a walk that is worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing you, fully pleasing you. Father, we don't have to wonder about our life whether we can be pleasing to you, whether it is pleasing to you, but we can have that walk that we know we are fully pleasing you. And Father, I thank you that we can be strengthened in your might. that We can walk in the strength of your might with all patience and long-suffering with joy. We give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen.